I'm shook. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holly Shook Podcast. My name's Ryan. I am going to be telling you a little story today. And as usual, I am joined by my wonderful, gorgeous, freshly haircutted Mr. Armin. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Rye. Too bad this isn't a video podcast because the listeners can't see my amazing haircut. That would also just be a YouTube channel. But yes, a video podcast. What's YouTube? Yeah, never heard of it. I don't fucks around with YouTube. It's too much drama on there. <laughs> All uh, the dramas at YouTube. I used to be really into like YouTube like culture. I was like, oh my god, how do these people make their money just doing this? But um, then it became too weird. Like, I don't know. That's when I got into podcasts. I'm like, this is still very normal to me. Were you a YouTube commenter? Never. Oh my gosh, no. I have been in a few videos on YouTube um, that have gotten some comments. I remember. And I will not lie. I, I did go through and read a, a lot of the comments because I wanted to know what people were saying. Um, that was rough. <laughs> no, luckily I have like a very tough skin um, from my childhood. I was luckily enough to be... Um, made fun of in middle school so now I'm used to it and it doesn't affect me but um oh my god if like if I was like sensitive I would have been like I would not be able to look at this comments like I, I can only imagine doing it as a living you'd have to really like get used to like people saying shit yeah you were like the worst person in the world to these people <laughs> you might as so, well have been the way they were commenting no, seriously the like intense anger at which these random people would comment i'm like it's a buzzfeed video like calm down but um y'all can sleuth it y'all can find this video it's actually in my opinion it's great you were so funny (laughs) you killed it rye it never leaves like literally i'm in a show right now in chicago and my freaking director was like hey uh, my video of you popped up last night and i'm like no (laughs) i'm like it's gonna ruin my freaking like life um you'll never escape the shadow of that video <laughs> but it kind of reminds me of uh the scandal i'm gonna talk about but before we get into that i think we do have a little little quick announcement kind of yeah we want to give a shout out to our newest shooketh patron that's our highest level of membership and if you don't know what the hell i'm saying this all sounds like a foreign language to you <laughs> We have a Patreon, and Patreon is a platform that connects creators like us with uh, people who consume our content. So uh, you all are able to support us through Patreon with monthly pledges, monthly donations, and they could range for as little as $2 to basically as much as you want. And each tier of membership has a variety of different benefits, but at the very least... If you support us with $2 per month on patreon.com backslash hollyshook, then you get exclusive bonus podcasts, and that's where Ryan and I talk about all the current celebrity scandals on a more frequent basis, so we'll probably be talking about Laura Laughlin and Felicity Huffman very soon on Patreon. I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) And... We also are starting monthly interactive live chats on there. So if you want to join this like group interactive live chat once a month with us, then you can do so 
by supporting us on Patreon. Like I said, for as little as $2 a month. But if you are a Shooketh patron like Christina L., you get a shout out on every single episode. So shout out, Christina L. What's up, Christina L? Thank you so Thank- much. We appreciate you. Yeah, so awesome. Thank you to everyone who has supported us, even just by listening week to week. Um, and especially those who are donating to get some more access um, to create some more shit for y'all. It's been really fun. So thank you, guys. It means a lot. You know, a lot of time and resources and effort goes into making this happen. And so any bit of support helps us to just continue creating and putting out this podcast as often as possible, if not more. Yeah. Um, You guys have no idea how many freaking text messages I get from Armin on the daily about this. And I'm like, ugh, leave me alone for two minutes, stalker. Scheduling alone is half the battle. So, let's get into the scandal. I feel like we've been blibber-blabbering all around. Um, So, this scandal is, of course, very near and dear to my heart. Um, As a young gay man growing up in the (laughs) early 2000s, this was like... I guess we'll just do like... I guess we'll just get into the guessing game. Because if I start talking too much, it'll be giving clues. Um, so this revolves around, I feel like it's so, I can't like give a clue without your, you're going to get it right away, but, um, it revolves around a monstrous, monumental, groundbreaking, iconic phenomenon, reality television show. Early 2000s? Early 2000s. Survivor? No. Uh Like live, like celebrities. I mean, I don't want to say what type of reality show because you'll get it right away. <laughs> like live with made, celebrities. No, no, no. It made oh. people into instant celebrities. Oh, okay, it made people into instant celebrities. It and it's a live show. Yeah, like yeah. Wait, is it live or is it edited? Well, it's like half and half live. Like, it becomes live. <laughs> it becomes live. Ryan, you're the worst. Okay, early 2000s. Like, the first half of the season is pre-taped, and then it becomes live night to night. Oh, American Idol. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, didn't know, yeah. I didn't know American Idol was live. The live shows. Like, they would do the singing and stuff on the live shows, like Top 12 and Top 24 and stuff. I, I didn't know that it was live, though. I just didn't what know that. How did you not know that? Did you watch it? No, I didn't. <gasps> oh, my God. So you're. So did you know like about any of the behind-the-scenes drama? I don't know any behind-the-scenes drama. My first memory of American Idol was, I want to say, fourth or fifth grade, Clay Aiken versus Ruben Studdard. That was the finale. And these girls in school were going around polling everyone and asking every kid, like, who who are you rooting for? Like, who do you want to win? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they, like, gave me a lot of shit for it. So weird. I didn't know I went to school with you because <laughs> that was me. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually, that this the person that this scandal is about is actually from the same season as Clay Aiken and Ruben Stuttered. Um Surprisingly enough, I actually didn't start watching this uh, American Idol until the next season. So 
I started watching season three, Fantasia Barino's season, obviously. Um, but this kind of, this person became known from season two, contested on season two. But then he reappeared um, with more drama during season four. So I did know about like him and his drama because it became like a huge story again after his season. So yeah, I was a huge American Idol fan. Like I was obsessed. Once I started watching se- during season three, I literally watched every single episode. Like the, the finale nights, my we were our bedtime was eight o'clock. I was in elementary school. Um, <laughs> our bedtime was eight o'clock. On finale nights, I literally would have tantrums and be like, "I'm staying up till nine, <laughs> like to watch it." And um, did you get to stay up? And we did. It was like literally the one thing. Well, we had two things we could stay up late for: American Idol season finale. And when a new Disney Channel original movie premiered. Of course, you have to stay up for the new Disney Channel original movie. Because it would usually come on at like 7 or 7.30, but it wouldn't end until closer to like 8.39. Right. Um, I actually have a funny Disney Channel original movie story. Please tell. Do you remember Jumping Ship with the Lawrence Brothers? No. You don't remember? No, oh my God. You don't remember Jumping Ship? I remember Horsin' Around or whatever the fuck it was called. Right. I think that was like the first one that they all did together. This one was kind of like a sequel. They like get stranded on an island or something. They jumped ship. I forget the the details. It's it's ridiculous as all Disney movies are, but. Yeah. It sounds familiar now that you say they were stranded on an island, actually. So it's a Disney Channel movie. It only comes out on Disney Channel, right? Correct. Well, my neighbor was convinced it was coming out in theaters. Oh, my God. Like, 100% sure of it. And I went over to his house to watch Jumping Ship, but him and his dad were convinced it was coming out in theaters. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. We have to stay home and watch it. And we actually go to the theater because they wouldn't let go of it. And they're like, no, no, no. It's And this is back in the day where, I don't know, I guess we couldn't look it up online or it wasn't as easy. You had to look at the newspaper. Right. So we actually go to the theater because it was really close to our house. And they're like, no, we don't know what that is. That is playing on your television set right now, sir. (laughs) Please leave. But eventually Uh, I got to see Jumping Ship many times. Okay, well, I've never heard of it. So I actually don't think it existed. But um, I'm I'm making it up completely. (laughs) Um. Famously, uh, High School Musical 3 is the only Disney Channel original movie that ended up being a theaters movie. So, slay High School Musical 3. Um, Actually, it's Jumping Ship, but okay. (laughs) Doesn't exist. Okay, so (laughs) the two main people in this scandal are going to be Corey Clark, who is a um, contestant on season two of American Idol. And, of course, iconic queen of crazy, Paula Abdul, who was a judge on the show. Yes. Um, So, I don't want to say exactly what the scandal is yet, um, because we'll get into that. Yeah, let's build up to it. I have no idea what this is. Zero clue. Iconic. (laughs) The only Um, American Idol scandal I know of is the moment in which that guy loses and handles it super poorly because everyone expected him to win. What? Who? I forget his name. He's bald. Yeah, Chris Daughtry, right? 
he handles it fine. Um, I have watched that elimination video. He gets eliminated over Catherine McPhee. Right. Um, for fourth place. And everyone was like, oh, Catherine McPhee's going home because Chris Daughtry's going to win. Um, and literally, it is iconic television. Like, Catherine McPhee, like, just jaw drops and just, like, stands in shock. And, like, everyone looks shocked. Like, Ryan Seacrest is shocked. Like, the judges are shocked. It was shocking television. Um, He's shocked, was- too. He was not happy about it. Oh, he was shocked. He was like, what the hell? He didn't, like, handle it badly. He was just shocked. He didn't, like, throw a tantrum. Um, but, oh, my gosh, that was iconic. I have, I will send you that clip. It's such a good clip. He didn't throw a tantrum like you wanting to stay up past 8 p.m. on school nights when you were in elementary school. No, yeah, that was just me. Chris Daughtry was a lot more contained. Um, okay, so Corey Clark, he was a contestant, like I said. So he was um, just, like, background on him. Both of his parents were aspiring singers. So they actually met on the road. They would kind of like sing at like nightclubs, it seemed. Um, It seems like they, well, he was born in San Bernardino, California. But they would like travel. So I think they met when they were like traveling um, to like nightclubs, like more in the South. It seemed like they spent a lot of time in like Nashville and stuff. Um, Very musical family. So musical family. um, He has a younger sister named Alicia who actually plays for that. WNBA. Oh. Yeah. Um, nice. And she, she's kind of part of the drama. Um, so he had no formal training. and But then they, he would like play. He started singing with his parents at some gigs. Um, like I read that he like sang background for like Barry Manilow. Like randomly. Wow. With his parents. And he kind of says that like singing with his parents is what made him be like, oh my gosh, I want to do this. Um when he was 14, he was put into an R&B group of, like, young men. Um, that was all the rage in the late 90s. Yeah, like, so weird. <laughs> um, funnily enough, Neo was also part of this group with him. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. So him and Neo, they were, and two other guys, they were in a group called Envy. That should have taken and, off. Yeah. Surprised they're not huge. Um <laughs> They had a record deal, and they were actually together for eight years, but, like, nothing really ever came of it. Shocking. Um, So that ended. And then in 2002, at the age of 22, he auditioned for season two of American Idol 2. (laughs) American Idol. (laughs) Um, A lot of numerology happening here. Lots of twos. Lots of twos. So He did not end up in second place, though, clearly. Got close, but no cigar. Um, So that's, like, his life. Okay, so Paula Abdul, going into her. Her story is, like, funny. I'm not, like, going to go into her, like, records, really, but I found her interest, or I found her, like, how she got discovered kind of interesting. Um, So she was born in San Fernando, which is, like, like kind of the valley, right? Yeah. Um, So she's born in, like, the valley, um, 1962. She's iconic. So she graduated Van... Van Nuys High School, mm. which isn't that's like down the street from where you used to live. Yeah, very close. Your and Camille's apartment was in Van Nuys. Yep. Um, and she graduated high school in 1980, which, if we remember, is when Corey was born. <laughs> um, so just putting that in perspective. And then, funnily enough, that's the second time I've said funnily enough on this. Um, Phrase of the day: Every she, time Ryan says funnily enough, you take a shot. 
I've never said that before. And now it's like the only thing I can say. Um, <laughs> funnily she, enough, she. And funnily enough, but actually funnily enough, she went to um, California State University, Northridge, which we talked about on last week's episode. <laughs> wow. Back to back CSUN alumni stories. All right. Shout out CSUN. Um, I just thought that was so random because we kind of had like a bit about CSUN last time. Right. Um, Producing celebrity scandals left and right. Thank you, CSUN, for finally doing something. Um, so she was there, and then her freshman year, she auditioned for to be a Lakers girl. So she was like a dancer. And she became uh, a Lakers girl. And she did, yeah. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh. You know I'm one of the biggest Laker fans in the world. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I forgot that you liked like sports. Well, I didn't know that, like, I didn't know that Lakers fans knew who the Lakers girls were, though. We don't know who, like, every Lakers girl is, but Paula Abdul is the most famous Lakers girl of all time, obviously. She, oh, really? I didn't know she... I had never known she was a Lakers girl. Yeah. Um. So she auditioned her freshman year of college, I think, for with over 700 people, and she got chosen. And within her first year, she became head choreographer of the Lakers. Um, girls. <laughs> Not of the Lakers. But, um, but also of the, the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. So she um, was super successful at that. Um, And being a Lakers girl at the time was very prestigious. Now every team has cheerleaders, but the Lakers were actually one of the first teams to have cheerleaders in the NBA, if not the first team. I forget if they were actually the very first one, but they were the first to invest in ancillary entertainment so there's the game going on but then there's like music in the background there's a live band and there's the lakers girls and that started a trend and now every single team has cheerleaders so that's a little history on cheerleaders in the nba interesting tune into i heart basketball podcast for yeah. more on that so this is actually really creepy too um she was discovered by the jacksons the jackson family um who were at a Lakers game and they noticed her, like she stood out to them. Um, So just like a little side bit, I watched the Michael Jackson documentary on HBO the past two nights. Who girl? Mm. Um, And I actually was doing my research for this a couple nights ago. And then the next night watched the HBO documentary on Michael Jackson and Paul Abdul's in it. Not like in it, but there's like a clip of, her dancing with, like, one of the guys in the fucking documentary. So, like, too much shit is, like, all intertwined. Incest Hollywood, y'all. I'm not ready to talk about the documentary. I literally had a nightmare last night about it. So, too soon. But um, she gets discovered by the Jacksons. They ask her to choreograph the video for Torture, which is a Jackson song. Um, she got a lot of jobs. She started um, choreographing for Janet Jackson's music video for the whole Jackson family, basically, tour. A couple other fun tidbits of what she choreographed. Um, if you know me, you know my favorite movie of all time is American Beauty. And she choreographed the cheerleading scene in American Beauty, which is obviously an iconic scene. Um, she also choreographed uh, the keyboard scene in Big with Tom Hanks. And Big was, like, literally one of my favorite movies ever growing up. So 
didn't know she choreographed all these iconic movie moments. For yeah, me. I had no clue about that in her career. Yeah, so like I always thought she was more of a singer. Um, I've never, I only know Paul Abdul from American Idol. <laughs> I like literally didn't know anything about her um, before that show. So I always just thought she was a singer, but it seems to me like her dance career was really like her huge thing. Obviously, I knew she was like a great performer um, in her prime. But um, also, yeah. maybe you can confirm this, but if I'm not mistaken, her songs are the most used or second most used on RuPaul's Drag Race for the lip syncs. I want to say second most used. Yeah, I've um, behind RuPaul. Icon- <laughs> yeah, I think um, behind RuPaul, literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always playing her songs. Um, yeah, there's an iconic one for um, for Coco Montrese and Alyssa Edwards, which we actually talked about on one of our Patreon podcasts, right? A few, like maybe a month ago. Um, that is a Paula Abdul song. I want to say it's Spellbound. It could be Cold Hearted. Um, Paula Abdul is iconic for many reasons, and it's like dance music. Like you could really move to it. Very dancey. Um, I'm not going to get into her records because that's boring to me, but she she essentially was like, I want to be a singer. And she like went into a record label and did a demo. And they were like, cool, you're good. And then they like released her album. At, at the time, her debut album was the most successful debut of all time and also had the most singles reach number one from a single album. Um, so she was huge. And she released another album that was very successful and then kind of like downgraded a little bit after her second album wasn't as popular, but um, she was still working a ton on choreography and shit like that. And then in 2002, she began judging Idol and became an icon for, I feel like that was like how a younger generation got to know her. That's how she really became probably a household name. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't already. Just iconic. Fast forward, fast forward. Kelly Clarkson wins season one, becomes overnight sensation from Justin to Kelly. I mean, queen. (laughs) So um, the first season aired over like the summer and it was so successful that they like rushed into season two kind of. Um, So season two started airing in January of 2003. Um, Corey Clark... Um, he was 22 at the time when he auditioned and who was on the show. He was kind of an early favorite. People really liked him. He was attractive, had a good voice. Um, he eventually made the top 10. So if you know, if you're an Idol fan, you know top 32 is a big deal. And then top 24 is when you go to the live shows. Top 12 is when you upgrade to the big stage. But it's really like top 10 is like you're solidified, like top 10. So he got top 10. Um, There was like a small drama in the earlier stages of the show. One of his storylines was he, um, he decided to go out and party in Hollywood one, the night before like a performance instead of like, uh, instead of practicing. So he like almost blew it, but like still was fine. Um, I'm like, bitch, when I was 22, I could go out and party all freaking night and I'd still like slay whatever I had to do the next day. <laughs> Not so much anymore. But now it's uh, like I'm in bed the next day. Yeah, I'm like not moving for 48 hours. <laughs> um, so he's on the show, whatever. And 
whatever. Uh-huh. He's only on the most popular TV show in America, killing it. Whatever. Who freaking cares? Like we've all been there. Um. So it was kind of weird. Like this season was kind of drama. Um. There was a couple like contestants who like had behind the scenes drama. Um. I guess one person got kicked off for like um. <laughs> I like didn't get super into this, but one guy got kicked off like for like attempted manslaughter or something. Like, Wait, he, what? I, I don't know. Like <laughs> you gloss over attempted manslaughter. Well, so this guy, this guy was like <laughs> not really on it. Like he like oh. made. I don't know. I didn't really like get into that part, but <laughs> it's like you know what attempted manslaughter. I'm just gonna well, put that to the side. He didn't make like the live shows. This guy, um, he was like in the early stages, and then they were gonna get him to the live show, but then they found out that he like almost killed someone or like did kill someone. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> like one or the other. It's like, a pretty big duality between not <laughs> killing someone and killing someone. Okay, fine. Okay, um, this Corey Clark scandal better be fucking good because you glossed over a murder. Well, to be fair, this guy, like, wasn't really, like, on it. He was, like, on it. You know, one contestant killed another backstage, but, you know, whatever. I didn't really get too into it. It was, like, prior to being on the show. It's just manslaughter. So Ryan Seacrest was a material witness, whatever. It's just kind of confusing because you don't really, like, get the details. And, like, there's a blurry, even with the Corey Clark thing, there's, like, a blurry timeline because it's, like, what happened, like, during the show, what happened before it, what happened like before it aired. Um, so like y'all know I'm bad at timelines already. And then there's like an extra like added factor of a blurry timeline. Like, I'm sorry, I don't have every detail. Um, so someone got murdered. Okay. So let's so just move died. on. Whatever. Um, someone died and then like maybe got caught for it, but didn't really get charged, but just got kicked off the show. So just normal, like, Law things, and then everyday uh, reality TV competition stuff, right? Just uh, typical things that you're watching as a fourth grader. Um, someone else got like someone else got exposed. There's like a um, a website called The Smoking Gun, apparently, where they try to like um, release like celebrity like criminal records or whatever. Right. So one um one person. I don't know, some bitch, like, got exposed, but then she was like, well, I already told the producers about that, and so I'm good, and so she was good. But then... Um, <laughs> That's the most vague explanation of something. Well, cause, like, some bitch could... got exposed, she told someone, and it's like, yeah, well, we're like, moving on. <laughs> so the whole drama and, like, why this whole Corey Clark thing was drama is that they do a background check on all the contestants, obviously, and they have, um, you're supposed to like, um, well, not obviously somebody, somebody murdered a guy and he got on the show but pretty that's deep, how, no, but that's how he got kicked off. They don't do a background check until you get to a certain like level on the show. So it's like, I don't know. It goes from thousands of people to like the top 50 or something like that's when they really start looking into your background. Cause that's when you're going to like get more airtime. So that's when they found out about like the murder guy. And they were like, okay, PC, like, don't get to be on it anymore. <laughs> okay, fair. It would be crazy to do a background check on every single person who auditions. Right. Because I remember how crazy those auditions would get. I never watched, but there was the William Hung moment. Yes, iconic. I, I remember some of it because it, it would be a part of, like, the pop culture lexicon. But 
Yeah, you couldn't do a background check on all those people. I remember the lines would be like out the door, right? Like well, thousands I, of people per um, audition. I auditioned in uh, the eighth grade. Stop. And no, you didn't. Wait, did I audition in eighth grade? No, I auditioned like my freshman year. I think you had to be 18. So I auditioned my senior year of high school. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. You, sometimes you don't know your birthday. You don't know how old you are. You know, you say okay, a, a I, scandal took place in the 90s. It took place in the 60s. Now it's like I, I was 13 when I auditioned for American Idol. No, I was 18. Well, What's the truth? I, I, and I'll never know. It was the last year of one of my schools, and then I was like, no, you had to be 18, so I had to have been a senior in high school. Okay. Um, I auditioned in San Francisco. There was like 10,000 people there, I think. I waited for eight hours, and I got to sing for 45 seconds. And By the way, this could be at, like, there was like 300 people there. You you had to wait in line for 30 minutes, and you sang no. for nine seconds. Just saying. This, it could be that. This was not- this was at AT&T Park in San Francisco, the Giants, like, stadium or whatever. And so many freaking people. Oh, my God. It was such a fun experience. My mom came with me. And um, Nigel Lithgow, this is, like, my, like, party trick. Nigel Lithgow, who iconically um, produced American Idol and was a judge on, like, So You Think You Could Dance or whatever, um, happened to stop by my booth when I was singing and watched me. So I'm pretty much the next Kelly Clarkson. I have to but, ask, what song did you sing? Oh, thanks for asking. I actually tried to say it earlier, but you cut me off. Um, Sunday Morning by Maroon 5. <laughs> Give me a rendition right now. No fucking way. I need it. No. <clears throat> I need so, it. No. So back to scandals. You got to pay to watch me sing. Just kidding. All right, on Patreon. Right, are you gonna do it on Patreon? No, fuck no. I don't <laughs> sing anymore, um, and this is why because I didn't get onto American Idol. Um, so where the freaking heck was I? So they do background checks, but not until you get to a certain part. But you also are supposed to tell the producers of any like legal troubles you had in the past. So you're like supposed to decl- disclose to them if anything had happened. Would manslaughter count? Manslaughter is in the realm. Okay. Um, but so is like anything. So the Smoking Gun released this article about how Corey Clark was arrested in his home in Kansas on October 12th in 2002. Um, apparently the neighbors had called the cops because they heard like yelling and screaming. Um, they arrested him for like battery um, on his younger sister. They said that they claimed that he had hit his sister. Both him and his sister say that that's not true. That he never that he never hit her. Um, but during the whole ordeal, I guess he like got charged for like battery on an officer and resisting arrest and stuff because he was like kind of like fighting against it. I guess that, like, when he was in the back of the cop car, he, like, got his handcuffs in front of him, and they were, like, going to tase him and stuff like that. Oh, shit. So it was, like, drama. Um, Luann de Lesseps-esque. Yeah, very Luann from um, Housewives. And they said that he charged him, and he, like, went to court. He got, like, three years of probation and had to pay, like, $116 either like bond or like legal, like just in legal charges. 
But then he says that they like revoked it and he was like refunded his money. And then after he was announced publicly as a finalist, the court decided to go ahead with the case again. So like to recharge him. So that was like kind of murky, like not really sure how that went down. Um, Producers said that he never made record aware to them. Um, And they said that in their background checks that this, that they missed this because that the police record spelt his name wrong. But I'm like, his last name is Clark. Like they were like, he spelt his last name wrong, but I'm like, it's Clark. Like, how do you misspell that? Um, And also- Did they add an E? I don't know. Or like used a K, like, but like, no. Oh, like a K for the first letter? Because there's a K at the end, right? Yeah. But like, yeah, for the first letter. Who would do that? I don't know. It doesn't say how they misspelled it. But then also Corey was like, no, you used my, like you use social security numbers for background checks. So it's not even really based on my last name. So kind of just sketch, sketch, sketch. Um, And this is my favorite part. He talks about, um, he talks about this drama and kind of like his side of the story in his um, book called American Politics spelt P-A-U-L-A-T-I-C-S. Dead serious. That's the name of his book. I cannot. Um, so I love a good money grab. American Paula text. So Can't. Paula Abdul is going to be a big player in this, huh? So this is only the beginning of his drama, um, and it doesn't involve Paula yet. Um, so he was when this like whole thing came um, came to fruition. He had just gotten into the top nine. So it was like the top 10 episode. He performed. He was safe. He was going on to top nine. And after the episode aired was was when they were like aware of this like record. And they announced that he was disqualified. He would not be returning for the next episode. What? Yeah. And it was addressed on the next episode of that. He was um, kicked off or whatever. Um so like drama, whatever, he's like done. He claims that he was actually punished for causing a stir behind the scenes. So what he said is that um, when you made when you made it to the top twelve, you had to sign like a different contract. Which I've heard drama about the American Idol contracts, like you sign your life away for like eight years or whatever after the show. So um, if you get to the top twelve, you're like really bound. Um, and he was mad because apparently um, they had to sign this contract, but the like attorney that was like there to walk them through the contract was one that the producers like hired. The contestants didn't have a say in like getting their own attorney to walk them through it. And he was like, "Well, that's kind of sketch. Like, it's kind of conflict of interest. Like, I should be able to like go through it on my own accord." And they were like, well, you either have to sign the contract or you can't continue in the competition. So then I guess he like went to Paula and was like, yo, girl, like this is sketch. Um, and Paula uh, uh, allegedly told her, told him, like, if you get all of the rest of your contestants to stand up with you, they can't like cut you off from the show. Like, then we don't have a show. So if you guys all take a stand, then... Um, 
like you guys should be good. A strike of of sorts. <clears throat> Essentially. Um and then I guess like I didn't really understand this part, but then I guess like Paula like assigned them an attorney. But then it was like later discovered that like Paula's attorney was like also working for the show. <laughs> like what? Um, so all of them, they were able to like stand up. But then literally like it says a week and a half, two weeks after this whole like contract drama happened was when they like discovered his arrest record and disqualified him. So like he believes that because he like stood up for himself that they like dug up this thing that wasn't really real and used it as a way to get him off the show. Did they sign new contracts or were they kind of negotiating and saying, all right, you 12, you're going to operate on the previous contract that we already had you sign until we can revise the contract since all of you are standing up to us and you want your own representation, blah, blah, blah. So for now, operate under the previous contract agreement until we figure it out. And then they eliminate him and he was kind of like the driving force. So then they could kind of like maybe twist their arms and say, you know what? Sign that contract that we were originally saying because your ringleader is gone. How did it go down? Obviously, I have no idea. Um, but did they sign I the contract s- they wanted to sign or did they sign? From from what I from what I read, they they were able to sign the contract that they were happy with. Okay. And also from what I un- understood, it wasn't that they weren't necessarily hap- like unhappy with their contract. They just didn't like that they weren't able to look look it over with someone who didn't work for the show. It wasn't really like we want like to change our contract negotiations. It was more so just like we have like we feel like someone who's a third party should walk us through this so that they're walking us through it like unbiased yeah that's a conflict of interest as fuck right so and that's what his whole thing was he was like it's a conflict of interest for your like your attorney to walk us through your contract sign your life away here sign your soul away here initial there the american idol contracts are like crazy like past winners kelly clarkson's talked about it carrie underwood like people have been like their contracts are fucking psycho so um it's, you know, it's only fair to have someone else, like, walk them through it. So that was... But they did they did sign the contracts that they were presented. Yeah, they make them... They purposefully make them complicated with, like, tons of legal jargon that regular people can't understand. It's not like a one-page document in layman's terms. No, I'm sure it was like a book. I- impossible for you and me to understand. You need someone with experience in contract law. Right, and it's also, like... They, you literally belong to the show for a certain amount of years after you're on the show. So everything you do has to like profit them too. So, I mean, I would want to know where the fuck my money was going. Um, so that's his story on the show. So he, um, is disqualified, canceled. Thank you. Next. So that was season two. Season three, I start watching um, Fantasia Brino wins. Diana DeGarmo is second place. Iconic. Cool. Season four starts. Um, and, you know, obviously Carrie Underwood, Bo Bice, you know, people like that. Um, season four starts. And during season four, um, Corey Clark makes headlines again. 
he first posts an online like ebook, which like I don't really know what that is, but um, it is titled "They Told Me to Tell the Truth." So dot 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 colon the sex lies and Paula ticks of one of America's idols. <laughs> oh God! I love that title. I'm like, did you have an editor? I <laughs> like, why is there a comma, an ellipses, and a colon? <laughs> In the title of your book. The title of the book is also the first paragraph of the book. It literally is the whole freaking thing. It's like three bulbarts outside of Ebbing, Missouri. It's like, I don't have time. Um, like, by the time I say the title, like, it's time for bed. I don't know. <laughs> um, so he posts this online or something. And then also he goes on an interview for, like, Primetime Live on ABC and makes claims that during season two of American Idol, Paula Abdul took him under her wing. And during the competition, he she would um, kind of coach him on what to wear, how his hair should look, um, what songs he should sing each week, and like kind of like help she like essentially told was telling him like, hey, they're gonna want you to like do this, this, and this. Like you should really be doing this, this, and this, like if you want to make your own career and like stand out. Um, this is like so the she, inspiration for the voice. Yeah, it's a very voice, but like not how the show's supposed to go. Right. Um, so that was like very behind the scenes. They like mentored, um, you know, as things do, one thing leads to another. He claims that it eventually turned into a sexual relationship. I had a feeling this was coming. Yeah. So he makes these claims on whatever the hell his book was, and in this interview. Um, his evidence that he he presents, he claims that he had a voicemail from her on his phone that was, like, semi-incriminating. Um, his parents came out and said she would always call their house asking for him, like, in between, you know, like, in between episodes or whatever. Um, he had a prescription strength cough medicine bottle at his house that was prescribed to Paula, but he had. So he's like, how would I have that? Um, That is actually kind of damning because you only bring like your scripts to a place you're sleeping over at. You don't just casually bring it, you know, for an hour visit. Right. Um, And cough medicine at that. And he also had phone records that showed that they would have long late night conversations on the phone. So, some evidence for sure. So, a lot of people instantly were like, bitch, please, why are you wait two years to come out about this um, when conveniently you're releasing your first album and releasing that book? You just want publicity. Um, Yeah, he does. He's a good marketer. But he could be leveraging the truth, right? (laughs) I mean, that's showbiz, baby. Um, A couple other... um, Season two contestants, Trent, Trensay and Nashika Sadal. I don't know. Um, they came out and they were like, We heard like rumors about the like fact that Paula and Corey were together, but like it never was like that noticeable. Paula immediately claims they were lies. Her quote is, Not only do I never lie, I never respond to lies. <laughs> In a response to a lie. Yeah, as she responds to a supposed lie. That's amazing. That's so good, actually. I love Paula Abdul, you guys. Here's my response to your lie. 
<laughs> I never respond to lies. So don't ask me to respond to this lie. And my response is, never. I'm like, what? So Paula Abdul's crazy. Um, obviously, you know, Paula became very well known for her wild behavior on the show. People thinking she was always, like, on drugs. Um, that was, like, a whole other thing. But um, she's like, no, this is a lie. Um and then Nigel Lithgow, who iconically watched my um, audition for American Idol and basically begged me to be on the show, but I had other things going on. He iconically did that. That's what he iconically like, did. People were like, oh my God, Like I remember you from Ryan's audition. Um, he um, like made a statement being like, it isn't weird that Corey and Paula had exchanged numbers. Paula actually gave her number out to a lot of contestants. Um, she felt like she was the den mother of the show and because she had been a star growing up, she liked trying to help them adjust to this like reality of being stars. Um, so he said that having her number talking on the phone was actually very innocent with a lot of the contestants. Um, and it, it, that should not be used against her because she actually had, you know, exchanged phone calls with many contestants. Um, which like, I guess it's normal. Yeah. That doesn't seem abnormal. But yeah. did she ever explain the prescription? Did he show a picture of that, by the way? I don't know if he had the picture or he like brought it in or something, but um I don't know. Was it authenticated? Right. I don't know. Um they like essentially were denying everything. So And what was in the voicemail that was incriminating? I think it was just more of like a hey it was like not about the show like it was more like what's up like kind of like talking as friends okay um, but nothing explicit like oh i'll see you friday night no i don't think it was like anything like what's up it was just like she's calling me and like it's not about like when my rehearsal is it's like very much like we're chatting and we're talking mm-hmm. um so fox um started an independent investigation into these allegations um, they interviewed Abdul, Abdul, they interviewed Paul Abdul, Corey Clark, and, um, a couple other, like, contest, or, like, witnesses, like, people who were, like, around them during the time. Um, they came to the conclusion that there was nothing wrong. Um, they said when asked about the late night calls that they both had two very, like, opposite descriptions of what these late night calls were about. I would assume they meant that Corey was saying they were very like sexual or, you know, late night calls. Um, Paula's version of the story is that it was strictly business, blah, blah, blah. Um, their quote, which I love because it makes it sound so serious, which it is. Um, the investigation is <laughs> the line is whether it affects the outcome of the competition. It is the sanctity of this competition that is first and foremost. And like they make it seem like it's freaking like a presidential election or something, which it was similar to for little old me at the time. Well, you know what, Rye? I feel like in the early 2000s to mid 2000s, the integrity of these shows were very paramount to their success. Like nowadays, I think everyone realizes how overly produced all of these shows are and don't really care as long as they're entertained. I know that's kind of the feeling around RuPaul's Drag Race, for example. Yeah. That the outcome is kind of predetermined in a certain sense. 
But in the in the early to mid two thousands, integrity was everything for these shows. I mean, yeah, no, and I didn't go into like um I guess I could have, but for me it's you don't even need to say anything about it, but how big this show was. Like yeah. I mean this show was monumental. Um it was the pop culture moment. Like everyone watched American Idol, except you apparently. Um <laughs> But, like, it was, my family watched it together every night. Like, we, like, had our favorites. I would, I was the girl who fucking voted for people. Like, I had my favorite. I would call and vote. It was, like, the show. And it was the first of its kind. Like, now we have had so many. But, like, this was, like, the one that, like, jump-started this, like, singing, dancing, you know, performing competition show. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, was monoculture for a time. It was... The singular thing that most people in this country could relate on, uh, could talk about. Yeah. It's it as- was like the cooler like show. And especially like, I don't know, growing up before like Netflix and people could watch things on their own accord. It was like, it was must-see television because you needed to see what happened the night before so you could talk the next day with people about like who did well, who didn't do well. And then like, who did who do you think is going home like blah 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 like this is like so embarrassing but when i was like in it i could tell you the fucking top 12 in order of elimination for like seasons three through freaking nine or whatever like i was like i knew all these people's names i bought all the like compilation albums after like they would do compilation albums of like best performances of the season i bought all of them like they went on tour like these people were huge you know, the three judges, Randy, Simon, and Paula, were iconic in their own regard. Paula was very much the nice, kind one who wanted everyone to do well. Simon was the mean one. Randy was just like the wild card, whatever. I mean, just an iconic television show. Right. Yeah, I forgot Simon Cowell was a huge deal because people just tuned in to see him rip people apart. Yeah, like what would Simon say? Mm-hmm. Um, and what would Paula do? Because Paula had her crazy seasons where she was like so crazy. I remember on my drives to school during elementary school, the the radio hosts in the morning, they would oh. talk about what Simon Cowell said the night before. That would always be a topic of conversation. Like, oh, did you hear him say this? And I think they'd sometimes have clips and they'd play it. And it'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. And I didn't even watch the show. But it was funny <laughs> just to hear his criticisms because he was so outlandish. I remember exactly the same radio like things like going to school too mm-hmm. and i was so into it. i'm like oh my god i forgot he said like yes 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 i was like obsessed you guys it was so bad um there is <clears throat> nothing like that today not even game of thrones which you can argue is on the precipice of monoculture maybe flirts with it but still i think game of thrones has a tenth of as many viewers as american idol at its peak yeah no i i agree i mean this is unlike anything I mean, why is the show freaking still on? Like, and people still freaking watch it, even though it's a reboot. Like, I can't. I stopped after. Uh, who was the last? I think Philip Phillips was the last season I watched, and then I was like, okay, I'm like too old for this. Um, <laughs> but no, I was, and it and it stayed it stayed that popular for like multiple years. Like, obviously, it started dying down eventually. But I mean, every single one of the winners, the top people, they would become successful. Chris Daughtry had so many hits. Um, Catherine McPhee is like acting in a t- 
a shit ton of Jennifer Hudson, like people. Kelly Clarkson came. Kelly Clark. I mean, I was mostly saying non-winners, but um, Carrie Under Carrie Underwood, um, Taylor Hicks. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so um, anyway, to wrap up this like scandal little moment, um, they consistently were like, "He's lying! He's lying! He's lying! He's lying! He's lying!" Um, Do I think he's lying? I don't know. I could have seen it happening. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. I I would love to see if there was like hard evidence if like that bottle was authenticated right i don't know i guess the world will never know if it's true or not um they claim it's not true a weird like meta moment they did is during season four finale they taped like a sketch kind of thing where they had like simon was having an affair with himself because simon (laughs) was very like selfish Um, and a giant narcissist so it was like a parody of the scandal um, that they aired during the season four finale, which was like so weird. And um, yeah, Corey Clark was like, that's offensive. And you're being like, you're like downgrading the intelligence of your audience. And I'm like, what? Right. Do you think that that would be a scandal today? Not really, because I think that it was the level of how big this show was that made it a scandal. And like we were just saying, I don't think there's a show that is at this level of intense popularity and like scrutiny. So like for me, it's like the reason it was so big was because the show was so big. So people were invested in not only who was winning and who was doing well, but also like, like they said, the authenticity of the show itself did it, did we have it proven that they never crossed a line that swayed his, his, you know, ability in the show. Like she didn't do anything that helped him get further in the show. And for like, I think it was so big at the time that that's what people were like, well, was it, did he get on the show because of this? And was he like cheating the whole time? Like blah, blah, blah. I almost feel like people wouldn't bat an eye today. It may become a joke on Twitter for one whole day. Right. Where everyone jumps in on it, makes fun of it, but then it'd be over. But it wouldn't require a independent investigation by Fox, statements by Paula Abdul, a follow-up, and appearances on, what was it? He went on some talk show. Primetime Live. Primetime Live. There's no way I think that would happen today. It would just become a joke on Twitter, kind of like Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin getting arrested. Right. And that's honestly a way bigger deal because they engaged in fraud. They but the system. Maybe for like eight hours yeah. people would make fun of it. And Paul Abdul like wasn't married or anything. Yeah, like, they were grown adults. Yeah. So like the fact that it even was that big of a deal in that regard, like it'd be different if like Adam Levine on the voice like slept with a com- like competitor, but like he's married or whatever. Like right. I don't know. So it shouldn't have been this big of a deal, but in the day and age, it was huge. Yeah, it's purely the integrity thing. People were worried that a judge was sleeping with a contestant and then affecting the results. Right. And just, like, in it was pre-social media, too. So, like, one... We've talked about this a lot on this podcast. Like, pre-social media, a scandal could be way bigger because you weren't, like, flooded with 500 scandals a day. It was all 
like what you heard on the news every night or saw on the newspaper the next day. And it was like one story at a time kind of was huge. So like, yeah, like we, we always say like, if this were to happen now, it would have been a flash in the pan on Twitter and we would have moved on. Right. Back then the powers that be the editors, the producers, they dictated the scandal. I feel like scandal consumption has been democratized because people decide what's the scandal if we all think it's a scandal and we all tweet about it and the hashtag is trending, then editors and producers will react to it. But back yeah. then, I feel like it was more top down. They would dictate to you what you consumed, what you heard about, what you listened to. But right. now it's more reverse. People have the power because they, they have the ability to display their interest. And obviously, editors and producers want to tap into that interest and exploit it for their own ratings or their own readership, etc. And, like, the sheer popularity of the show at the time, it was, like, like no questions asked. Of course, I'm gonna, we're going to write about anything that involves Paula Abdul and American Idol because that's what people are like right now and that's what people are going to want to hear about. Yep. Um, so that, you know, and that was also the thing, too, is, like, well, you just want publicity for your thing because you know that if you come up with these allegations, especially in season four when you could argue it was at the peak of its, you know, popularity, um of course you're going to want to like try to profit off that. Um, I don't know who I believe. Um, I also don't really care because upon more further investigation, uh, Corey Clark is in fact a trash human. Since the scandal, he released an album. It was his self-titled debut album. Um, almost right after this whole um, scandal was like happening, of course. Um, it was very high, highly publicized in terms, I'm sure, because of of the scandal. Um, he had, like, the Black Eyed Peas were featured on his album. It was, like, supposed to be big. Oh, wow. Um, That's a big get. Yeah. and Yeah, well, I mean, at the time, the Black Eyed Peas were hot shit, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very, like, anticipated. When it came out, it just, like, nobody cared. Like, it got... Like, literally, I was reading, and it was, like, it was barely no... Like, people didn't even know that it came out. So, it, like, totally bombed. Um, He, at some point, more recently... Okay, so, like, after um, all his scandals, he had been arrested multiple times since. um, Twice for using, like, fake checks um, (laughs) at Walmart and a local grocery store. He was arrested twice for that. Um... I guess he also um, started a food fight somewhere. Like he was with like his like manager and stuff and like they got into a fight and started throwing plates and stuff in like a public area. Um, He got arrested for that. And then I guess he had his wife put a protective order against him. I assume it's like a restraining order like type thing. And he broke that by, um, uh, by trespassing at his wife's, like dad's house and showing up there. Um, so he, he like literally just kept getting arrested like every day. And that makes me reconsider the earlier arrest. Maybe he did assault his little sister. Right. I mean, it seems like he's a trash human, so I wouldn't put it past him. Um, yeah, no, it, you know, history repeats itself. What's he Um, up to today? Not much. He did sue um, MTV for $40 million um, for libel 
claiming that they falsely attacked him as a liar and called for a boycott of his music, essentially blaming them for his failures. Um, It's MTV's fault. He lost. He lost the lawsuit. Shocking. Um, That's the last, like, I could, on Google, find about him was this lawsuit and how he didn't win. Um, That's that about him. Paula obviously went on. She hosted, um, or she was a judge on eight seasons. Um, Contract negotiations going into season nine ended with her leaving the show. Um, Rumor has it that she was making about five million a season, and that going into season nine, she was asking for closer to twenty million. (laughs) I don't know. That seems like a high jump. Um, She did make a get it, Paula. Yeah, from five to twenty. She made a statement saying that um, that her leaving had nothing to do with money, but more more so about principle. So whatever that means. Um, she was iconically replaced by Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres, if you guys don't remember, hosted one season of American Idol, or judged one season of American Idol, which was just such a lulz. Everyone knows Ellen DeGeneres' singing prowess. She knows her singing of little children. Um, So Paula had a short-lived Bravo TV series. Did you know this? I didn't. Called Hey Paula. This is where it only lasted one season, mainly because it like followed her day to day. And there was multiple scenes of her like acting really crazy um, (laughs) and really like erratic and like kind of like all over the place which we saw glimpses of on American Idol, but seeing it day to day, like people were kind of like, Oh my God, I don't really like this. Um, Like there's a scene where she, it's on YouTube. It's actually so iconic. Um, She was supposed to choreograph for the Bratz live action Bratz movie. Um, And apparently she got dropped from it or something. And she like has a mental breakdown on the phone about it. Like being like, I was supposed to do the Bratz movie. Um, Did you see her in Bruno? No, what's Bruno? Oh, the Sasha Baron Yeah. No, I've never seen that or Borat. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen tricks Paula Abdul into sitting on other human beings as chairs. Like, that's a part of the gag. That for okay. this interview, you're going to sit on other human beings as chairs. And she does it. Of course she does. She does that on American Idol once. She like sits on Simon Cowell's lap and it was like drama. No, but not on a lap. Like the, the person is like hunched uh, over and sitting on their back. Oh, oh my God. That's so weird. She was probably like, okay, normal. <laughs> yeah. So she, I mean, she's iconic in her own regard. I don't really know what she's up to today, but um, it seemed like she's still working. It looked, from what I gathered, she's still like choreographing stuff and producing stuff and whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's my American Idol. This was more, (laughs) less scandal and more, I want to talk about my childhood and American Idol's influence on me. I loved it, Rye. I really did. That was a lot of fun. We needed a light scandal after the Phil Hartman tragedy. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, This was fun. Share with your friends. Let us know what you think. Um, And we'll see you guys next time, right? Of course. With another scandal. Next time brought to you by me. Can't wait. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. We'll see you later.